God, we're so grateful. We're so thankful, God. God, we're thankful because we have been chosen by you. God, we're thankful because we have been adopted by you. God, we're thankful because we have been forgiven by you. God, we thank you because we have been redeemed by you. God, we thank you, Father God. Because of your grace, because of your mercy, God, because if it wasn't for you, God, we wouldn't be here today. So, God, we give you thanks. We give you glory. We give you praise, God. You said, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. So we praise you on this day. We praise you for giving us another opportunity, God, to come into this place just to give you thanks. We thank you, God, that we can come into fellowship one with another. We're just so grateful, God. We honor you, God. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, God, that was shed on Calvary for the remissions of our sins. We thank you, Father. And now, Father, as I go forth, God, I thank you that it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Because I was crucified with Christ. And God, it's not about me. It's all about you. So I thank you, God, that your people hearts are open and receptive to receive this word from you on today, God. I'm only your messenger, God. So I thank you, God, that as I open my mouth, you have already filled it. And we just honor you and glorify you. And we thank you, God, for the shifting, God, even in the atmosphere on today in Jesus' name. We thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost in this place in Jesus' name. We honor you and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Last week, we talked on having an expectancy or what are you expecting. And when we look at the word expecting, it, it talks about looking forward to or having a strong belief in something or someone, having an anticipation. And not only do we say we believe God and depend on God, if you believe him and depend on him, you're going to have an expectancy. You're going to look forward to the promises of God. We talked about how God is the source of our expectancy. He's the one that we depend on for what he has promised because it's not based upon us. It's based upon him. So today God has given me some more to add to it. So before you turn there, keep your finger at Genesis 15. I want you to go with me to Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. We want to hear what the Lord has to say unto us on today. And I'm telling you, God always have a word for his people. He always know what we need outside of what we think. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. And the word of God reads. To everything there is a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. To everything there is a season. A time to every purpose under the heaven. You may be seated. When we look at that word season, it's a set time and appointed time. And what God want to encourage you with on today is to let you know his time is not your time. His time is not your time. Whatever God says that he's going to do, God has a set time in doing what he says he's going to do. So don't put a rush on God. You can't rush God because whatever God has for us, he know the plans 
He knows the purposes for our lives. God wants us to have good and not evil. He wants us to have a hope and a future. So we cannot be trying to rush God and we cannot be trying to get into things that God haven't told us to get into. And when we do that, we come out of what God has for us, but that does not mean that God has changed his mind. So go with me to Genesis, the 15th chapter, and I want to go over a few things in Genesis chapter 15. And I love this because Abraham had a relationship with God. We know that he was connected with God, but not only relationship, he had fellowship with God. Fellowship is a sharing, it's a participating in the things that, you know, God has. So when we have that fellowship with God, then we're making that connection with God, with the things that God has always, have already given us. Abraham had to leave what he was familiar with in Genesis 12. He had to leave behind his family. He had to leave behind his country and he had to follow God. So by Abraham leaving behind those things, those people, God told Abraham before Abraham left, he said, Abraham, I will bless you. He said, I will bless you. He said, and I'll bless those that bless you. So he gave Abraham a word from him. So Abraham took the word that God gave him and he left what he was familiar with. See, you have to be in fellowship. You have to know the one that's talking to you in order to put your trust in that person. And I believe sometimes we say we know God. Knowing about God and knowing God is two different things. You can know about God by hearing me speak of him. You can know about God by other people speaking of him. But until you really know him for yourself, that's when you can really stand on what he's saying. It's not a fake it and make it thing, y'all. It's not just saying something. You got to believe in what you're saying. When you believe in what you're saying, you stand on what you're saying, regardless of how people feel about you, regardless of how people treat you. You don't change what you believe. You don't change who you believe in. So Abraham had that fellowship with God. And when Abraham left and did what God told him to do, how many know we're going to have opposition? Anytime we're doing anything for God, opposition is going to come. Persecution is going to come. What make you think you're not going to get persecuted? What make you think you're not going to be hated by the ones you thought that love you? Come on. When it comes to an outsider, okay, I can deal with that person. But when it comes to close kin, when it comes to family, the ones that you were reared with, the ones that, you know, you talk to all the time, when they hurt you, it's a hurt that only God can mend. That's the only one that can mend that hurt is God because you're saying, I trusted you. I told you this. I told you that. But getting back to Abraham, Abraham left what he was familiar with. But one thing that God didn't tell him to do was take Lot with him. Sometimes we hold on to certain people in the family because we think that we need to be there for them. We think that we have what they need outside of what God is telling us to do. So Abraham took Lot and they had so much substance, both him and Lot, that their herdsmen began to have strife amongst each other. And Abraham, when he stepped in on the scene, I'm going to tell you when you can tell that a person is in fellowship with God, that a person 
who has been in the word of God. When Abraham stepped in and he saw the strife, he saw what was going on around them. He looked at Lot and he said, Lot, if you go left, he said, shouldn't be this between us. I want y'all to understand this. I'm talking to the church. It shouldn't be this between us. We're brothers. Meaning that we have made a connection. We shouldn't have these things coming between us. He said, so if you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. He didn't care which way he went because Abraham knew God. Let me tell you, when you know God, you ain't worried about somebody outdoing you. You ain't worrying about nobody take y'all come on somebody. You're not worrying about nobody taking nothing from you. Not a man, not a woman, not a dog, not a cat, not nobody. Because you have such a connection with God. You giving them the opportunity to choose because you know who you are now that you in God. We got some problems. He gave him the right to choose. When Lot chose, Lot chose based on what he saw naturally. Abraham told him to choose. And when he saw that land and how beautiful it was and how green it was. Come on, that's what we do. Come on, we got some lots in the building. Would somebody give you a right to choose between 500 and 5,000? Who wouldn't choose 5,000? Who wouldn't? All of us in this room probably fighting like cats and dogs to get to that $5,000. Come on, people scratching down numbers. Trying to get to that certain price or that certain amount that they want. But it didn't matter to Abraham. Because he had such a relationship. We know he was in connection. He had such fellowship with God, a sharing and a participating with him that he trusted and depended on God so much he said you choose it don't matter whatever you choose I'm good with it why because he knew God and after he made that choice God began to speak oh I love it when God speaks I don't know about you I love it when I can hear my father's voice when I can hear him calm me in the midst of a storm. When I can hear him just say, trust me. When I can hear him just say, be still and know that I'm God. When I can hear him when he say, you are the healed of the Lord. When I can hear him and he say, say peace, be still. When I can hear him, everything in my life comes to a standstill. That's what you call fellowship. So God began to speak to Abraham and he told Abraham to look around as far as his eyes can see. Sometimes things have to be moved in your life in order for God to speak to you, to let you know, this is what I got for you, Abraham, because you trust in me. So now I'm going to open your eyes and I'm allow you to see what I have for you. So he did that for Abraham. Now the very one, now Abraham, even in the midst of all of this, we know what Abraham did. Abraham, it was a famine. Come on. Sometimes we trust God. We believe God. We hear God. We lean and depend on God. But some areas in our lives, we can become weak. There was a famine in the land. And Abraham went into Egypt. God didn't tell Abraham to go into Egypt. But he chose to go into Egypt because of that famine. And Abraham set it up like he wanted to set it up. He said, say that Sarah, 
He said, Sarah, I need for you to say that you're my sister, which that was part truth. He said, say that you're my sister. Because if you don't, he know that they would kill him where he was. And after he set all of that up with Sarah, I want to tell you something. No matter what we do or how we do it, God is still God and he still sits on the throne and he still loves us even outside of our mistakes. God still helped Abraham even in the midst of where he was. God was still there for Abraham. Why do I believe God was still there? Because God knew Abraham's heart. So then after all this occurred, then look what happened with Lot. Abraham had to go save Lot. From the very thing that Lot went into, Abraham had to come bring him out. Of what he went into. And he went into it with a few men y'all. Do y'all hear me? He didn't go into it into it with a great army. God don't need a lot of people to do what he does. God just need enough to let people know I'm God. I don't need what you need to do what I need to get done. See that's the difference between God and man. So Abraham went and he got lot. He wouldn't take anything you know from the battle. Because he trusted God. We know at that time that Melchizedek, when we look at it in the Bible, Abraham offered the tenth of his goods. Melchizedek didn't ask for it. See, I'm getting in the tide now. Melchizedek didn't ask for nothing for Abraham. Melchizedek came with the wine and he came with the bread. Is this familiar with, to y'all? He was giving him communion. And he come to Abraham with that. And Abraham's heart was so turned towards this Melchizedek that he was giving him a tenth. Melchizedek didn't ask. God shouldn't have to ask us nothing. When we're in a relationship with God, he shouldn't have to ask you. Y'all see God taking you through it, ain't he? This wasn't even part of my teaching. I'm just flowing with the Holy Ghost. God shouldn't have to ask you for nothing. Because when you in fellowship with God and you know that it was God who delivered you. When you know it was God who fought that battle for you. When you know this, whatever you have in your hand, you should not mind turning it over to God. That's what Abraham did. He turned it over unto God. But then after all of this happened, now I'm going to chapter 15. Now, this is why you just don't jump into the Bible. You got to back up and get where you're going. So everybody understand where you are. So you got to allow people to see where they're traveling. So we look at the 15th chapter, and this is what was going on. It said, after these things happen, the Lord spoke his word to Abram in a vision. Abram, don't be afraid. I will defend, be a shield to you and I will give you a great reward your reward will be great that's the expanded bible so he let him know his reward would be great so what God was telling him I'm your protector I have everything that you need Abram depend on me then God began to say but Abram said Lord God Adonai Yahweh and then he began to say Sir, Lord, Master, what can you give me? I have no son. I'm childish, childless. So my slave servant, Elzar, 
from Damascus will get everything I own after I die, be my heir. A household servant would take care of a childless couple in their old age and in turn inherit their possessions. Abram said, look, you have given me no son. So a slave born in my house would inherit everything I have, be my heir. Now listen what the Lord said. Then the Lord spoke his word to Abram. This is how it's supposed to be, y'all. When we're in fellowship with God, once you speak, you need to be quiet. And you need to let him speak back to you. Then the Lord spoke a word to Abram. He will not be the one to inherit what you have. You will have a son of your own who will inherit what you have. Then God led Abram outside and said, look at the sky, the heavens. There are so many stars, you cannot count them. Your descendant's seed also will be too many to count. Abram believed, put his trust, his faith in the Lord, and the Lord accepted Abram's faith. And that faith made him right with God, count it, credit it as righteousness. Now look at that. God gave Abram, which is known as Abraham, a promise. Now, what God did when Abram told him, I don't have a child, God said, you will have a child. Then God told him, look up in the heavens at the stars. See if you can count them. That's how many your descendants would be. How many of us would have grabbed hold to what God said, knowing How is this possible? Abraham took God at his word. He believed God. Abram was 75 years old at that time. Come on. 75 years old and he's saying, I believe you, God. A 75-year-old man. So then, guess what happened? After God had given Abram that promise. Told him he would have a son. Know that when you have a wife or if you have a husband and whomever God gave that word to, they have to come into agreement. A divided house shall not stand. Unless two walk together, they will not be agreed. So Abram, I know he had to tell Sarah, or Sarai, what God had said. But through waiting on this word, To come to pass, this is what Sarah said. I don't have a child. So I want you to go in with my maidservant. And back then, that was common. I want you to go in with her. It's like a surrogate. And I want you to have a child by her. And that way, we would have a child. So Abraham said, "Mm, okay, I'll do it. You're giving me permission. I'll go ahead and handle that for you, Sarah. So guess what he did? He messed up with God, did he not? What I mean by messed up, he had a promise from God, but how many of us get tired of waiting and we take things into our own hands? How many of us, when God tell us, you know, this is what I'm giving you, and yet we don't see what God has said, so we come up with another plan and we think that's the plan of God. This is what God want for us. This is the way that God wanted for us. So they did what they thought, or or Sarah 
told uh, Abraham, this is what we got to do to get this heir. How many of us have done that? We try to work it out for God. But then after all of this happened and they did this thing, I want you to go with me in that very, the next chapter. Nope, before we do that, I skipped something. Go back to 15. Thank you, Holy Spirit. After God spoke to Abram and told him what he was going to do for him, gave him the promise, dealing with having his own heir, let me tell you what God did. God sealed it with the covenant. But God didn't seal the covenant based on Abram. He sealed the covenant based on him. That means he's saying, Abram, you don't have nothing to do with this. This is all on me outside of what you do. Catch it. Outside of how you mess up. I have sealed this with a covenant. That means I'm not going to change my mind no matter what you do. Y'all better catch it. I have given you a promise, Abram. So no matter what you do, that promise is still going to stand and it's still going to be what I said it's going to be. That's an amen. It's true. So Abram, after he heard the, the covenant, God did the covenant with him with blood. He put Abram to sleep to let him know you ain't got nothing to do with this. This is on me. Ain't nothing you can do that's going to change my mind because I have made a covenant with you. So Abram messed up in chapter 16. He messed up. He went outside of what God told him was going to happen. But guess what? God ain't changing his mind. Just because Abram messed up, God doesn't change his mind. Just because you messed up, God doesn't change his mind because everything that's written about you is written about you. But the only thing is when you put stuff in front of what God has for you, come on, it gives you a lot of things that shouldn't be. So we see when in chapter 16, this is what happened. Then when Ishmael was born, y'all, it says that Abraham was 86 years old. But after Hagar got pregnant, she began to despise Sarah. And Sarah went to Abraham and he said, you do with her what you will. So we know that she left, right? I'm going to give y'all something else here. The covenant was made with Abraham and the seed that would come from Abraham. But he ended up having Ishmael. So I'm going to give y'all something to give God glory for. Even though Ishmael was not a part of the covenant, God made a promise to Abram. And he said, I'm going to bless Ishmael. Y'all better hear me. I'm going to bless him because he's part of you. So if anybody's in your house, they getting blessed because of who you are. The Bible says that God have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So whoever's living in your house with you, the things that God has given you, they're getting blessed through you. And that's how God brings them in. To show them it wasn't nothing you done. It was because of your connection 
Y'all don't get it. It's because of the connection that you have with me. I'll go back to Paul. Y'all know that ship that Paul was on in Acts 27? Paul knew that he wasn't going to die. Because God sent a messenger to him and told him what was going to happen. The people at first, they weren't thinking about no Paul. They was trying to save their own lives. But Paul said, hold up, wait a minute. Because you own this ship with me, not one life is going to be lost. The only thing that's going to be lost is what's the cargo that's... Mm. See, when you're in fellowship with God, you hear God and you know what God is saying. So God is honoring that because of your fellowship with him. So we see how Hagar, she ran away from Sarah. When she ran away from Sarah, God began to speak to her and let her know about Ishmael. He let her know what was going to happen with Ishmael. So then we get on to chapter 17. At this time, remember he's 86. When we get to chapter 17, this man is 90 years old and nine, 99. Ooh, ain't he waiting? From the time God gave him the promise. Now he's 99 years old. And when you're that old, come on, everybody know, even at 75 and forward, everybody know no man and no woman is going to produce no child, not unless it's a miracle. Amen. 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 And I don't believe there's no more Abrahams and Sarahs out here. Because God only knows, right? He just needed that seed that come through them to bring Jesus on the scene. Amen. I don't think it's going to be another Jesus. So people need to quit this foolishness and think they're going to pop out another Isaac. But if God says so, you better be hearing God. He was 99 years old. And look, the Lord appeared to Abram, chapter 17, and said unto him, I'm the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly abraham fell on his face y'all and god talked with him saying god began to talk to abraham but i want you to look at verse 14 no 15 so we see that abram was in what fellowship with god god was always communicating with who abram This is why we have to stay in fellowship with God to know what God has for us. And 15, and God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah, thy wife, thou shall not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. Her name had to change. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Y'all, that's something, isn't it? Listen what Abraham did. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, don't that man know God hear him? Shall a child be born unto him that's a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is 90 years old bear? 
And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And look at what God said again. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. Everlasting mean forever. It won't change. And as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princesses shall he begot and I will make him a great nation. But look at what he said. But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Y'all hear that? God gave him. Now look at here from 75 on up to 99 years old. God was speaking to Abram, Abraham. God was encouraging Abraham with his word. Abraham was trusting God. But God had an, a, a set time. He had an appointed time for this to happen. So I'm encouraging you today to let you know that all the promises in Christ is yes and in him is amen. But God has his timing. Quit trying to rush God and doing what God has already written. You're not going to get it before that set time. Quit trying to rush God with having a husband, having a wife. Lord knows quit trying to rush. Because when you have the ups and downs, when you're going through something tragic, when the wife is sick or when the husband is sick and you hadn't prepared yourself or made yourself ready with fellowship with God, you ain't going to be no help to that husband or wife. You're going to put them in a nursing home. Because you did what you wanted to do. When you wanted to do it, you got tired of being by yourself. You got tired of being without a boo. Everybody else got a poo, a boo. You got tired of when these special occasions is coming. Everybody could celebrate together, but you were by yourself. So now you're going on the man and woman hunt. Like a dog in heat. You come to church, maybe you can find somebody in there that's, you know, presentable. That's saying hallelujah. That can be whom I want them to be. God has an appointed time in your life for who need to be in your circle, who don't need to be in your circle. He knows the timing for people that need to be put in your life. Quit putting people in your life that's causing you trouble. People can act like they good. They can talk like they good, but ain't nobody good but God. I don't care how much money they give you without asking. I don't care how many gifts they buy you. I don't care how they're there for you in the midst of situations. If God ain't put them there, it will change. That's because you out of God's timing. When God puts somebody in your life through the good and through the bad, no matter how you slap them around, they're still looking in your face. Because it's about God and it ain't about them. This is why we have broken homes. This is why we have broken marriages. Because we're trying to do like the world do and not set it up like God's setting it up. I never seen. I'm going to say that too, Sister Loretta, but I'm getting to Sarah and Abraham. But we'll finish that off. I never seen the righteous. (laughs) 
forsake you. <laughs> and he will never leave you nor forsake you. But what God want to say today is, even in the midst of Sarah and Abraham mess, he stayed with Sarah and Sarah stayed with Abraham. Didn't she? Even through their old age, <laughs> when it looked like nothing was going to happen. How many homes are broken up because the man is upset because the woman cannot bring forth a child? Or the woman is not happy because she married a man that can't give her what she wants and they said it's time for divorce. It don't work like that. That's why you wait on God's timing. So we see what God did here. He was 99 years old. God was still encouraging Abraham. Abraham laughed. Who wouldn't? Man, I'm 99 years old and you telling me I'm going to go in with Sarah and we're going to have a child. Ooh, that's so funny. He's just laughing all over the place. But God. Can somebody say, but God. God still gave him his word outside of that laughter. Because God don't change his mind. I don't care how people look at you and look at you like you foolish. Come on, they laughed at me. I never forget it. I'm going to get to this point too when it comes to God's timing. We try to rush God with what God is doing in our lives. And when you rush God and you get ahead of God and you don't follow his lead, you end up going through things that you should not go through because you put yourself in that thing. Don't think you're coming out. Don't think you're coming out because God is going to teach you a lesson through where you've been. He ain't going to stop loving you, but you're going through that thing. This is why we got people in marriages right now sleeping in separate beds, acting like they're so happily married when they go to church and when they're around people and get in the house and act like they can't stand each other. Act like they don't. the man don't even know the woman as a wife. The wife don't know the man as a husband. They just backlashing each other. They just hate each other with a passion. But get in front of people. Oh, baby. And in your heart, you can't stand them. That's because you didn't wait on God. You did what you thought you need to do. So we see here in these situations that we have to wait on God in every situation, no matter how flesh hollers. Your flesh is going to holler for material things. Your flesh is going to holler because something looked so pretty at the time. Then when you get it in your house, it's the biggest devil it was. Come on, your flesh cringes at things that look good because you think you're going to look good in my house or you're going to look good in my driveway. You're going to look good and people are going to look at you and when they see me, they're going to know I'm money. Please. You better wait till the appointed time because when the bills start piling up and you cannot meet what you got on your own. Then how embarrassed are you going to be when they come take it from you? That ain't God. People get things and they say, God gave it to me. Why is it not there no more? If God gave it to you, why snatch man get it? If God gave it to you, why you come out of a house and go to an apartment? Yeah, God might have told you to downsize. Now you're going to use God all the way through it. Well, this is what God said. Well, why you ain't trying to trust God if God told you it was yours and your job, you know, you have to leave that job. It's still yours. 
You don't have to give up what God has given you because of change. If it's yours, it's yours. God don't give you nothing and take it back. God don't do that. No. My God don't do that. He don't give you a husband and you divorce him. Oh, that's my husband. Oh, that's my wife. Y'all have been in counseling sessions. Well, I had counseled somebody. This is 20 years ago. And I plainly told this couple, you are not ready for marriage. You need to get your life in a, in a, a way with God. You need to get your life in a way with God. Then you're going to know if you need to be together. If you don't have that fellowship with God by yourself, how in the world are you going to go in a marriage and try to fellowship with God? Somebody help me with that. No, no, no. We love each other. We, we're going to be together. I said, okay, let's see. We go in our first counseling session. Now, God is so good. God told me to put on army fatigues. I'm dressed up like I'm in the army. I'm just being obedient to God. They come sit down on the couch together, just smiling at each other. We go in that counseling session. My husband, he's the witness to this. We go into the counseling session. This man told me, I don't know how you're getting home. I'm not taking you home. I said, you bought her here and you taking her back where you bought her from. They found out at that time. Things begin to come out in that counseling session through asking questions. Asking questions. The word of knowledge is popping up in that counseling session. The word of wisdom is, is popping up in that counseling session. God is speaking and asking questions. When I hit the point about the money, that man said, oh, you stop right there. That's my money. I said, but when you get married, it's her money. Then when we get to the kids, she said, he can't tell my kids what to do. I said, excuse me? Those kids are going to belong to him now. Because y'all are coming together. Ain't no more your kids. It's y'all kids. Ain't no more kicking her kids out the house because they still your kids. To- oh, help me somebody. Now, he don't want to take her home. Oh, people don't need to be counseled before marriage, huh? So let's move on with the story. And ain't no story, it's the truth. So we got through that session. They didn't want to be together no more. But all of a sudden, they calmed down. When you wind and dine somebody, you calm down. They calmed down. Next thing that happened was, we ready to get married. I said, oh, you are. They want to finish the counseling. Well, we got somebody else to marry us. I said, go ahead on. I said, go ahead on. You go ahead and get married. Guess what? They divorced. When God speaks to you, and when you're carrying a lot of baggage in your life, and you are not talking to God, fellowshipping with God about you. I ain't talking about the man, women. I'm talking about you. When you got a lot of hurt, when you got a lot of resentment, when you got a lot of hate in you, when you got a lot of bitterness in you, you got to let God deal with you before you deal with the husband. Because you're going to turn into a Jezebel. Matter of fact, 
Some of us was Jezebels before we got the man and made the man to Ahab. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And guess what? I ain't telling you nothing that I don't know myself. Because when you get so self-sufficient in you, and your dependency is on you, and you done build a lifestyle for you, and you think you're ready to get married, and you think you're ready for that next step, let me tell you something. Don't fool yourself. Because, see, I fooled myself. But once me and my husband got married, see, I was a controlling person. I was a, a Jezebel. That's why I know Jezebel. I know a Jezebel when I see a Jezebel. I know stubbornness when I see stubbornness. I know rejection when I see rejection. I know bitterness when I see bitterness. I know offense when I see offense because all of it begin to connect together. I'm not ashamed of my game because when God got hold of me, I didn't have to try to fake it to make it. That man knew that there was a change and he wanted what I had. Come on. Playing games are over. Quit trying to hide behind being born again. You still got work to do. Some of you don't want to do the work. You want to rule. You want to act like it's never your fault. But when God got through breaking me to make me, that's when I could stand before the people. I had to have some breaking. I had to get over me. And when I got over me, y'all, this is so funny. When God kept dealing with me, God told me, leave him alone. Now, don't think my husband didn't have nothing going on. See, that's why people get fooled. It takes two to tangle. But the thing was, through my disappointments, through my hurt, through my past relationship, I was bringing it over to this relationship and I was making a mess of the relationship that I was in. But once I connected with God and truly connected with God, I can go to him with the open heart. And I remember I went to him and he don't even remember, but I remember. I was crying my eyes out before God and I said, God help me. Something is just not right with me. I shouldn't be this angry. I shouldn't flur up like I'm flurring up. God, that's just not me. God, what's wrong with me? And I heard my father say, get rid of that controlling spirit. I said, huh? I cried like a baby. When I left that room with being with the father, I went into our bedroom and I looked at my husband. I said, forgive me. Forgive me for having a controlling spirit. That was my first step. Now, I asked him to forgive me, but I still had to work on what was deep-rooted in me because it would pop up again, y'all. See, God was preparing me. He was preparing me for where he wanted to take me at his appointed time. He didn't just put me behind a pulpit just to put me behind a pulpit. I had to go through to get where I was going that God appointed me to be. Some of y'all don't want to go through. Some of y'all have ups, you have downs, and God wants you to testify on some of that sometime to let people know I was not always like I am now. 
mess when God leads you to. See, I ain't got nothing to be ashamed of. Because guess what? When God tell me to open up to you to let you know, this is where I've been, but this is not where I'm at today. These are the roads I used to travel, but I'm not going to travel no more with me nor with you. Either you're going to trust God or you're not. So this is why we have to wait to his appointed time. Don't go into nothing so quick because it feel good to your flesh. Everything that feel good to your flesh and you have peace with, it does not mean it's God. The kind of peace that God gives us is when we're in the midst of a storm and we know it's a storm, but we're so much at peace and we know that God got that thing that we can rest in him for sure. This is why when you even go into God is just talking about marriage. Maybe I don't need to do that thing next Saturday. Dag. Because <laughs> God is bringing it out now. And he's doing it. I speak as the Lord would have me to speak. Nobody is whispering in my ear, people. As God speaks to me, I speak to you. Not through no conversation that everybody in the church tell me. So see, when you know the spirit of God, you will know when the spirit of God is moving. I don't use no pulpit to try to make somebody think I'm this or that. See, this is why the Lord had me to share my life and my testimony. To let you know if God helped me, he can help you. But you got to want to be helped. Everybody has went through something. But the something you went through wasn't only for you. It was to help somebody else. That way when somebody else is in that same ditch you were in, you down there pulling them out of that ditch inch by inch and say, you don't have to stay there. Because that's not the plan and the purpose that God has for your life. You think you the only one that went through in this area? No, I've been through there. And even if I hadn't been through it, God gives you so much compassion for that person to say, I ain't been where you been, but I've been hurt. And God helped me with my hurt. It may be a different hurt, but hurt is hurt. Some people say, well, if you hadn't been there and you haven't done that, you can't understand. No, I can't, but God can. And as long as I'm a willing vessel... To hear what God has to say for your situation. Then God is going to use me because he know where my heart is for the people. The reason why God can't use some people effectually is because of your heart. It's because you out to down somebody. You out to put somebody down so you can be lifted up. That ain't God. You out talking about people behind their back. That ain't God. So, getting back to Abraham. Still talking about Abraham. So, getting back to him. He laughed at God. God still told Abraham what he was going to do. Abraham was what? 99 years old. Then God, he came again to Abraham. And when he was sitting down with Abraham, when you look at chapter 18, look what happened in chapter 18. He said, where's Sarah? (laughs) So he was talking about what he was going to do. And then Sarah laughed. 
He said, you think I'm going to have pleasure with that old man? Did he think we're going to have some pleasure at our age? So she laughed. And God said, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah, why? I didn't laugh. See, she lied. Mm -hmm. She lied. But God already knew. And God encouraged them again. At the appointed time next year, you will have you an Isaac. And guess what, y'all? Did he do it? Did he do it? Did he do it? God did that thing. But they had to stay obedient, even though they know they were so old. Probably took them a while to get back to the tent. But they got back to the tent. It didn't take them a while, because you know what? In those days, them people were strong. They sure was. They didn't grumble and complain, probably like us, with every pain. They did what they had to do. So we looked at Abraham, right? Y'all see what happened to Abraham? Abraham trusted God. He got his Isaac. But it took him 25 years. That was God's appointed time. So let me ask you this afternoon. Why are you rushing God? If God gave you a promise, God has already fulfilled that promise, but you ain't got to the set time. That's all. You ain't got to the set time. You got to wait on him. And while you wait, that set time is going to be God's time. So that's why you got to have patience. Guess what God did? Do y'all know he gave us patience with the fruit of the spirit? Not only he said, I'm going to give you some long suffering. Because he knew. He said, the things that I'm going to do in your life, you need some fruit. You need some fruit from me. You need some love, joy, peace. You need some kindness. You need some gentleness. You need some meekness. You need some long suffering. You need some patience. You need all of this fruit in order to get where I'm carrying you. Not only do you need these fruit, you need some gifts of the spirit from me. So you'll be able to help somebody else while you're waiting on my promise. God know what he's doing. Y'all, that was Abraham. Then God began. See, that's why we stay in the word. Because God will keep on talking. And when he keep on talking, I'm, go ahead, God. Go ahead. I hear you. Then he took me back. See, God, I don't care how many times you go through Abraham's life, God's going to show you something. Then he took me to Joseph. When he took me to Joseph, y'all know what was happening in Genesis 37 with little Joseph. He was 17 years old. And Joseph was loved by his father and the brothers felt like he was loved more. So Joseph would go back to his father and give an evil report on the brothers. If they didn't do like they're supposed to do, he would go back and tell the daddy. Come on, all of us would do that. So he would go back and report on them, and they hated Joseph. So then Joseph began to tell them about a dream that God had given him. And they hated him even the more for his dream. He began to tell them, not only them, but he began to tell the father about his dream and how all of them was going to bow down to him. The father was, you know, getting on Joseph, but he kept this within himself. So when the father sent Joseph out, to check on the brothers, the brothers hated him so much. They say, look, here come that dreamer. 
So what did they do to Joseph? They made a plan. They wanted to kill Joseph. So see, they had hatred in their heart. They became bitter towards Joseph. So they put him in that pit. They were going to leave him in that pit. But then they decide to sell him. So we know they sold him. And he ended up serving who? Potiphar. He ended up serving him. And let's go there. I want to go to Genesis 38 because this is what I want you to see. Genesis 38, 1. 39, I'm sorry. Genesis 39. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And listen at verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was, pros- he was a prosperous man, and was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Do you know why Joseph was prosperous? Because God made a covenant with Abraham. That covenant went from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Joseph is part of Jacob. So he was prosperous. And the master saw, listen at this, the master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. Somebody got to see that you're prosperous. Somebody got to see that the favor of the Lord is upon you. Somebody got to see that everything your hands touch is blessed because of God and not because of you. They cannot see God because you're trying to make things look prosperous. You're trying to make things look blessed that God didn't tell you to do. It says, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. He knew. And then it says, and Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had, he put into his hands. It came to pass from that time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, and the Lord blessed, listen at this, this is where I'm getting, blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. That man got blessed because of Joseph. Y'all better just sit there and meditate on that one. Don't be going home now. You blessed because of me. You wouldn't have nothing if it wasn't because of me. Sit down. You ain't got a job. But I got Jesus. Then it says... And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not, he, he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a godly person and well favored. So look at that. So where am I going? The plan and the purpose that God has for Joseph's life. Joseph did not ask for the hand he was dealt. But God had a plan to use Joseph to help the people. Sometimes we go through and don't understand why we go through. I'm going to go back to me. On my job, when I was on that job, and God was um, elevating me. But what he did was, y'all, sometimes you got to go low to go high. See, sometimes you got to go low to go high. I already worked 
um, in Wilson's, um, working with the money, head cashier, making all the deposits, doing, being all over the front end. So God had given me favor with that. When I first entered Wilson's, another manager took over. I wasn't even there, I guess, three months. And this manager called me in the office. He had a girl that was already there for a long time, and she trained everybody. He called me in his office. He said, I need to say something to you. He said, I've been watching you, and I'm going to make you head cashier. I said, head cashier? I said, this girl right here. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I want you head cashier. That girl got so mad. She was hot. But when he made me head cashier and I started developing and what I was doing while I was there, then I found out my cousin had told me that it was opening at the hospital as a file clerk. Way back then, I had worked my way up to $4.62. Back then, y'all know minimum wage was $3 or something, right? So I had, y'all laughing at that. I wasn't laughing at that because that was good back then. So I worked my way up to that, and my cousin told me they had a job at the hospital as a filing clerk in the front office. So I said, I don't, I don't know. I said, how much it pay? She said, $3.35. I said, $3.35. And, I, and it kept coming before me, kept coming before me. I said, you know what? I'm going to fill out for it. I had a pulling to fill out for it. Guess what, y'all? I left $4.62 and dropped down to $3.35. When I got to that office, it was a room, a small room, maybe like this back here, full of files all the way around. My cousin told me, she said, we'll come up every now and then and we'll do some filing, but seemed like it's not moving. I was there a week, and every file that was in that room was filed. The head man of the hospital, he walked in my boss's office. He said, the next position that opens up in this office, I want her in it. The woman wouldn't give it to me, y'all. She would not give me a position. People left, but she still wouldn't give me a position. But can somebody say, but God? So it came one day. That this lady was leaving Carver Boat. Y'all remember Carver Boat? Her husband had to move. They had to move. So the boss come to me then. She said, I got a position for you. And the position is being over the whole skill unit upstairs. You would have to take care of all those patients' um, financial needs. You have to keep up with all their bills. You have, I said, I'll take it. So when I took that position, I flourished so much in that position. Because of the hands of God that was upon me through my granddaddy, through his wife, because the, the prayers of the righteous availeth much, because God was blessing them, the blessings poured down to me. So when I got in that position, even when they had people coming in and checking the books, the next person said, go to Amanda, she'll tell you exactly what's wrong. I didn't even have to look at the file. So I grew in that position. Then there was a next position. It was going to be supervisor over the business office. So I said, I think I'll go for that. The next lady that come in, she was a tough cookie. So when it was my time to be acting supervisor, she watching what you do. Me, myself, if I see a person need help, 
I'm going to help that person get developed in that area. I'm not going to give you nothing and you don't know how to do it. I'm going to watch you and see what you can't do and help you do it. She didn't like that. She said, I want you to fire her. Every time I come in here, she is not where she need to be. But I knew her problem. So I said, wait a minute, I can't do that. She said, why can't you? I said, give her another chance. So I worked with her. She was doing well. So next thing that happened, the lady that was over me, that was trying to give me, see if I could take the position, she got fired, y'all. She got fired because she was arrogant. She acted like her degree was just so far up there that nobody couldn't touch her. So I got stuck in that position. So we had a next CFO to come out there. And the head man again, this was a different head man, he come in my office and he said, I'm not going to move you. I'm going to leave you right here. And we're going to let her decide if she want to keep you in this position. So I did my job, but the lady that left said, if she can get in 800000 a month, I'll dance naked on the roof. She had a degree. She could never make it. Guess what? 800000 come through that door. And I told Jennifer Porter, and if she's here, she'll verify. I said, you know where she is? She said, yeah. I said, tell her come dance naked. Because it was God's doing, not mine. Because God showed me how to treat people. It got to the point that they did not want to hire people in that office. But God showed me how to get people jobs that had degrees that people would not hire because of color. So then an unemployment office told me, we will pay half their salary if you will hire them. So I went to my boss, the, the new lady that was coming in, the one that had to decide was I going to be kept. She came in and looked at me. She said, I'm keeping you. Your title is no longer going to be supervisor. Your title is going to be director of patient accounts, and I'm putting you over the emergency room area. I'm putting you over the switchboard. I'm putting you over skilled nursing, and I'm putting you over all this business office. That was God. And not only that, but you're going way up in your salary. Back then, remember, I started at $3.35. That lady jacked me up to $13 an hour on the spot. To y'all, that may not be much now, but these were in the 90s. <laughs> so she jacked me up that much. She gave, she said, I trust you, whatever you do. Because see, they were following what I was doing, and it was working. But how many know that through what you go through, I'm still talking about Joseph. You're going to have some jealousy. You're going to have people envious of you because you're a black woman. Not mind you not. It ain't the other race that was against me. It was my own color. It was the ones that I helped get in the office. Them was the ones that became jealous because I was moving up the ladder, because I was going in meetings, doing, oh, we got it in the church. Those very same people did me like Joseph. They put me in a pit. They talked about me. When I went to battle to get money for them, they wouldn't give it to me for them. 
But they took my worst enemy to talk me down. And they put him over me. The very girl that I made supervisor, they put me under her. They made me a biller. I wasn't coming back. But you know what God said? You got to go back. See, I was in a pit, y'all. Got out the pit and was like I was in prison, just like Joseph. But everywhere I went and everything I laid my hands on, what the billers were not doing, claims stacked up, they couldn't key in, they got keyed in. Jennifer Porter got mad. I wouldn't do nothing. I said, I'm not like them. God said, bless those who curse you. Love those who hate you. God prospered me to the point that no matter what they tried, I was still prosperous. I still had what I needed. Did I go through some changes? Did I go through hate? Did I go through bitterness? Yes, I did. But the more I got in fellowship with God, my heart turned. My heart began to change and I didn't treat them like they treated me. I love them. And then, this is the thing, y'all. God started ministering to me. God say, you coming off this job. You coming off this job. See, even while I was in prison, surrounded by hate, I kept hearing, you coming off this job. You coming off this job. And the funny thing was, y'all, God had prospered me so much. He had me ministering. That's how I met Jennifer. He had me ministering to people on the job and the Christian folks that said that they knew God turned me into the head man. So she talking about God too much. They're Christians. Oh, y'all don't know. Some of you may know. They were, that was a Christian. Went and turned me in. So when the man talked to me, he said, I've been hearing that you've been talking about God. I say, excuse me? And the reason why that happened was because I was going to lunch with two black folk. When the Lord gave me an assignment for Jennifer to encourage her to be there for her, they had the audacity to say, oh, you done turned on your own race. And the man that said it was married to a white woman. Envy, hate, and jealousy. Jealousy is cruel as the great. But did I stop my assignment for Jennifer? No. Why? Because God assigned me to that. And even though I was being ridiculed, even though I was being persecuted, I still did what God told me to do. I held on to the assignment. I'm not a people pleaser. I'm a God pleaser. And if you don't know that about me by now, you ain't where you need to be with God. So then, remember, he's in the pit, right? He come out the pit. He went to Potiphar's house. Here come the lies. The wife wanted Joseph. Joseph was not going to go outside of what he believed. He believed God. So he ran from this woman. The woman lied on him. That's how he ended up in prison. My man got in prison, and then he got made what? Head guard over the prison. He's a prisoner, (laughs) And he telling them how to conduct what was in the prison. That's how it was for me, y'all. The very enemy that they put me under. The very man. I'm helping him and he telling me his problems. They got my head on a platter. And I don't know what else to do. Guess who encouraged him? 
Guess who helped him? The one that they threw out. That's what we supposed to do to see God. So I didn't change my testimony because of the hate. Because I knew who was on my side. So Joseph was in that prison. He was still telling them about dreams. that He was interpreting the dreams. And he told them, remember me. Remember that? So he had to stay in that place, y'all, for a while. Somebody say God had an appointed time. Somebody say it again. See, some of you want to come out of a place. See, me, I tried to come out of a place, but God put people in my life to say, you got to go back. And I went back and humbled myself, went way down in position, hanging around people that was talking about me and saying, let her go through what we was going through. And then God had the audacity to tell me to go around to each person and said, if I'd done anything to hurt you, forgive me. Jennifer said, why are you going to them people? I said, because this is what God is telling me to do. And as I done this, how many know people won't open their mouth and tell you stuff? One girl say, they out to get you. I'm just telling you right now. They out to get you. This is what they're saying about you. I say, it don't matter. I'm still going to do my job. So I stayed in that position. God had me ministering to people in that position, just like Joseph. So I was in a prison. When we moved and moved into another office, and I told y'all this, they put me right by the toilet. I was hot. God was preparing me, y'all. He was still breaking me to make me. In each given situation, I had to be broken. God was still showing me some residue that was in my life because he was preparing me for where he was going to take me. My testimony to them was, I'm not going to be with y'all long. I'm coming out of here. One girl said, sit down, Amanda. I'm tired of hearing that. You ain't going nowhere. You're going to be right here with us. So then God began to give me favor with my next boss. I said, I need to work four days a week instead of five. He said, okay. The girl that asked him previously, she was mad. She said, you wouldn't give me that off. Won't God do it? He was setting me up. He was taking me where he needed to take me. And guess what, y'all? I didn't have no time to lose. I mean... I needed the money, but God was preparing me for where he was taking me. So as I began to talk about, I'm coming off this job. Finally, God told me, I want you to put in your resignation. I'm like, for real? Now this is real now. So I put in that resignation. And then the head boss that was over my boss called me in his office. He said, whatever position that you want to be in, I'll put you in it today. Just don't leave. And I'll give you top pay. Uh, He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a week to think about it. I looked him dead in his face. I said, I don't need to think about it because I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I appreciate the opportunity, but I'm leaving. And guess what? I come out to prison. And God took me to the palace. And everything that my heart desired when I was working, I wanted a Cadillac. Couldn't get it while I was working. But as soon as I checked out of where the place I was, God began to glorify himself. Things began to change. The Cadillac come in the yard. 
everything that my heart desired because my heart was on God. I can think about clothes I needed. Didn't tell nobody. Knock on the door. Here go five pair of capris with the shirts, with the sandals. Didn't ask for it. God knew my heart. It was an appointed time. God was getting me right for where he was taking me. And in getting me right, he said, I'm going to see if you trust me. I'm going to see if you're going to have the same testimony through what you're going through. My testimony did not change. That man sitting over there, he's a witness. Through my hurts, through my downfalls, he didn't miss a meal. His clothes was washed. Everything that I needed to do as a wife was done. Whatever I felt was wrong, I didn't care if it was his family, didn't care if it was my family, I wasn't standing for it. Why? Because I believe God now. God took me this far, he's not going to leave me. And the Bible tells you that if you allow evil to be in your house, when you know what good is, evil will never leave your house. So me and my husband knew we can't allow evil in this house. So if I seem like a Jezebel for what I stood was right, and if he seemed like an Ahab, that wasn't the question then. Because I got over Jezze. The thing was, we was coming together like the word says. Whatever was mine was his, whatever was his was mine. It wasn't no more dishing stuff out and neither one knew nothing about it. It was no more of hiding money. My money was his money, his money was my money. Things really changed. It was no more trying to make him feel like less of a man. It was communication. It was I was wrong. Let's see what the word have to say so we can get in alignment in this marriage. But it was God's timing. For everything we do, we have to remember it is God's timing. It is his appointed time. Don't rush and get stuff because you can. Because through my life, y'all, I rushed. I got things because they look good. I had 13 cars. Nobody had to sign for them. I just liked the gadgets. But when the payments came, you got to go. Didn't care if I was upside down. I stood in the man's face. You got some money? No, but you're going to take this car. Did it take it, honey? Mm-hmm. Then when I went back to get it, somebody was driving it. I bust through them doors. My husband had a car. I said, wait a minute. Who in that car? Well, ma'am, you know people, that's my car. Get them out my car. Did we drive home with it? Thank you. I was a bold soldier. I knew I couldn't pay for that car. But I wanted it. Knew I couldn't pay for it. I had to enjoy it for a month while it lasts. Some of y'all in that same situation. No, you can't pay for it. You just want to look good in it while it lasts. Didn't last too long. Had one I parked in the backyard and got another because I thought I saw a vision. The vision was screwed up. You know why? Because the Bible said, oh, no, man, nothing but to love him. I owed for that car, driving another car, and praying that I could pay for that. Y'all don't know. But the Lord got me through it. Then my cousin said, why is that nice car parked in the yard? Because I don't want it. 
Went and got me another one because I wanted a sunroof. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show them people. Just because you took my check don't mean I ain't going to get no. See, my credit still looked good because, you know, it hadn't caught up with me yet. You go get this stuff before you pay, catch up with you. Show them your last pay stuff. That one was high. I ain't going to show them the next one. <laughs> so I can go in there and get that car. I knew how to manipulate. Give me that. My credit score was way up there, so I knew I could walk off. Every time me and my husband come on that lot, that man would run to us. I know what your credit score is, what you want. I want that one right now. Then... When I really start serving Jesus, oh, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't even buy my son a happy meal. Lord, help me get some of this debt out of the way. So when the Lord really heard my heart, I had to listen to him and do what he told me to do. And he still knew it was some pride in me and my husband. But I was going to fix my husband. It wasn't going to be me. I said, honey. Follow the scripture. Go get the piggy bank. Go get my baby piggy bank. We got to empty that out. And we got to pay for this right here. So we start rolling the money together. Both of us excited. We're going to have some little cash. I said, now, after you get off work, now you stop by the bank. You know, you take all these pennies in there and you get this. Why I got to do it? Because you the man. Now I'm letting him be the man. See, before I do it. Now you the man. <laughs> but we worked it out, y'all. We worked it out when we didn't have the food in the house that we needed. Hey, y'all, I could have went to my daddy. I could have went to my aunts. But God said, no, I want you to trust me. See, God taught me how when it was nothing to trust him. So, see, some people look at me now like, oh, she, she taken from the people. I'm going to say like daddy said, like the parrot said, you know. So what I'm telling you today is, wait on God. God has a timing for all things in your life. It may not be like you want him to be, want it to be now, but wait on him. And God will let you know the appointed time, just like he let Abraham know. Joseph waited on the Lord, even though he knew he didn't do no wrong. That's just like Jesus. But because Joseph went into that land he went into, he saved a whole nation. So see, through your waiting, through you being prepared even for the ministry that God has for your life, just because you see me up here, just because you see people on television and it look good and, and make you feel good, I'm going to tell you something right now. It ain't what you think it is. Higher heights, deeper depths. If you are not willing to give people what you have now, don't come behind this pulpit. Because if you want to be a pastor, you can read what the word of God says, but your heart got to be right. You got to be right in your home. There's an order. Even in the home, it's God, it's the husband, it's the wife, it's the children, and then it's the church. Children are not over the wife. Children are not over the husband. 
You do not put them before your mate. And you put nobody before you put God. If your children are wrong, they are wrong. They do not talk to the husband or the wife any kind of way. And that husband don't supposed to allow that to happen. He's supposed to say, "Uh uh-uh. That's my wife. And you will not speak to her in that manner, even if she's wrong. That is not your place. Slow your roll. That will not happen. It's the same thing with the wife. She's supposed to honor that husband. She's supposed to let those children know, I know you didn't talk to, no, you didn't. Well, he let me do it. It won't happen again, poo. That's what we supposed to do. We supposed to line up with the word. Do not put children before your mates. Do not allow children to see what's going on in your house between you and the husband because guess what? They'll model that. They'll think it's okay. Take it in another room. Stand up for what's right, y'all. And you can do it according to the word. Not according to you. But everything is in God's timing. And we have to be in fellowship with God so we can be in the timing of God. Even when you mess up, you still ain't getting it before the time. Even if you're snotting all over the place, you ain't getting it before God's timing. Because God said, your heart ain't right. I'm preparing you for where I'm taking you. You got to trust me more than you trust in your situation. Yes, it don't look good. But did you know I'm God and there's nothing too hard for me? That's what he told Sarah. Is there anything too hard for me? I'm going to stand on my word. So be encouraged today. And know whatever you're going through, there's an appointed time. There's a set time for all things. We don't know what's ahead of us, y'all. So we can't be pulling stuff in our lives. Because we don't know what's going to happen next. That's why we say, God, is this my season? Is this my time to do this? God, it, it feel good. It feel right. But God will give you a tug and say, wait. Wait. Wait on me. And when you wait on him, oh, man, the floodgates of heaven. When they open up, man knows It was God and not you. This ministry, the ministry that you're in, Miracle Temple, everything that we have gotten, man knew this is God's doing. From the time we started in the house, went to the little house on the pair, everything was God's doing, and it was marvelous in his eyes. People were seeing God's glory. God's glory has to be seen. His glory. Not you. Quit trying to make people see you. To make people think that you this and you that. That's pride. Humble yourself up under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you. In due season. Y'all, I'm going to tell y'all something. Me and my husband, we live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Everything that we get is by faith. 
and we listen to what God has to say about it. People around us, they didn't start calling my husband Big Money Grip. <laughs> Big Money. Keep calling him. Keep calling him. Call him now. Big Money. Big Money. Because the more you calling him Big Money, the more mama getting it going. You know why they do that? Because, see, it's God's glory. We have people in the neighborhood <clears throat> be wondering, what in the world? I see you coming in and going out with stuff. That's because people give us, and we give other people. Well, wait a minute. I think we got that. Don't go get it. We got it. Because when you're willing to help other people, you're going to keep getting it in your house. You're taking it out the house. It's coming back in the house. That's how God works. People get jealous of me and my husband and our children because God is at work. So they're mad at us and they're trying to come up with something to tell people they're taking more money from the church. The church is giving them this and church is giving them that. The devil is alive. Because we don't ask. We do what we have to do. And everything that we do, we try to do it unto the Lord. We don't try to take from the ministry, y'all, to benefit us. It's always, nope, let's see what the ministry needs. Let's see what the ministry needs. And we'll step aside and make sure that everything in here is running like it needs to run. Because there's a lot running that's running. But we give God glory that guess what? It's always there. Everything that's needed is always there. If somebody don't give, God got a ram in the bush that he touched their heart and they give. So we don't try to keep up with who give or who don't give. But as leaders, to be a leader in this house, you have to pay your tithes. Because you're in leadership. And you got to honor what the word of God says or you can't be an effective leader. That's just point blank. Point blank. Who wants somebody leading them and you telling them to give or you telling them to believe God and you out there doing the opposite? That is not a good leader. No, it's not. And that's how we operate in this house. According to the word of God. Amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. Isn't God good? He alone is worthy and worthy to be praised.